Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. And I'll begin reading there with verse 17. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 17. We'll read down through verse 22 and then skip over to verse 37. Praise God. You love the Lord tonight? Amen. 1 Samuel 17 and 17. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephod, this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went, and as David, or as Jesse had commanded him, he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle, for Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array against the army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran unto the army and came and saluted his brethren. There's a couple of things that I want you to notice. In verse 20 it says that he left the sheep with the keeper. And then in verse 22, and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage. Verse 37, and David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go. And the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with armor and put on a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor. And he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. Then one more verse of scripture. Let's go to the book of Psalms. 121. Psalms 121 and verse 5. And I just want to use that first phrase there. This I'll be using for a title tonight. And maybe you could just repeat it with me. The Lord is thy keeper. Let's say it again. The Lord is thy keeper. That's what I want to preach about tonight. The Lord is thy keeper. Amen. Uh, I need him to keep me. I need him to strengthen me. I need him to be with me. How about you? Oh, praise the Lord. Why don't you lift up your hands again and give praise to God tonight. Let's give thanks to him right now. I love you, Jesus. 
I praise you, O oh Lord, for all that you have done, every blessing, God, that you bestowed upon my life. I'm so thankful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. In south central Kansas, near the banks of the Arkansas River, sets the city of Wichita. It was incorporated in 1870 by the successful businessmen who came to hunt and trade with the native population that lived in the area. Wichita became one of the largest cities of the plains, and it was strategically located on the Chisholm Trail, and it became such a popular destination for cattle drives headed north that it was actually nicknamed Cowtown. And in the 20th century, aircraft pioneers such as Clyde Cessna and Walter Beach and Bill Lear began projects that would give this city a second nickname. It would be called the air capital of the world. The place where the Arkansas and Little Rivers meet has been a major trading center and meeting site for hundreds of years. And it is here that a monument was erected. There's a statue that is erected into the sky, 44 feet tall, and it's made of steel. And it has a plaque on it that simply states, The Keeper of the Plains. The Keeper of the Plains. And it stands as a reminder of those that guard and care for things that are entrusted to them. As I begin to consider this, uh, this evening I thought of another keeper, a keeper of a different kind. A keeper is one that is in charge or care of something. He is an attendant, an entrusted partner, one whose purpose is to keep. They are to watch out for. They are to protect. They are to ensure the safety of. I guess one of the examples that I could use is it's like the owner of a zoo may bear the burden of administration, but it is the zookeeper that bears the burden of application. It isn't necessary that the owner know how to care for each of the animals, but the zookeeper must know how to care for the animals. The Bible is full of keepers. You study through the Scripture, you'll find this over and over again. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, we find the keeper of the king's wardrobe. In Jeremiah 35 and 4, we see the keeper of the door. And in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 8, we witness the keeper of the king's forest. In Esther chapter 2 and verse 3, we meet a man that was a king's chamberlain, and he was considered the keeper of the women. In Acts 16 and 36, we enter into a dungeon, and we find the keeper of the prison. So the term keeper and their job is not unfamiliar to us in the word of the Lord. And in this particular text, 2 Samuel, or in 1 Samuel rather, we find that there is the battle that has been set in the ray. And the Philistines, the perennial enemy of Israel, has been set at war against them. 
and David's brothers are thick in the fight. And when his father finds that they are there in this particular location nearby where he lives, he calls for his younger son, who is the keeper of his sheep. And he asks him to go and to give them some provisions. He gives them some supplies uh, to make the battle and the war that they're involved in more palatable. And when David arrives, he's so excited that he actually breaks into a run. And he's going to go out onto what he thought would be a battlefield. He's never experienced anything like this so far in his life. And he wants to see his older brothers. Anybody that has older brothers understands this. These are his mentors. These are the boys that he has looked up to all of his life. And he wants to go and see them in action. See what they have been trained for. He wants to see them defending uh, the honor of the children of Israel. But before he did, the Bible makes an interesting statement here. It says that he left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage. This causes me to stop for a moment and pause and ponder what is actually taking place because this is the second time in this text that this action has been taken by David because in verse 20 it says, And David arose up early in the morning and let the sheep with the keeper of the sheep. And then it goes on and says, when he arrives at the battlefield, that he left the carriage with the keeper of the carriage. This makes a very applicable point to you and I this afternoon. It tells us that before we can be successful in the battles of life, and I'm speaking of spiritual battles that you and I are engaged in. We first must properly attend to the burdens of life. We must learn how to deal with them. There has to be a balance there. Without respect to person, life invokes simply insurmountable burdens, weights, cares, pressures upon us. And these burdens with their burly hands, batter, bruise, and even with their extreme heaviness, they crush at times our hearts and minds until it seems that there is no escape. And sometimes, like running from a tiger, we only are confronted by a lion. And so we run from the lion only to face a bear. And we pray for darkness so that we can hide only to discover that our burdens have night vision and they seem to track us down. So what do we do and how do we handle them and how do we deal with them? Well, I tell you here tonight, there's some things in the Scripture that gives us some, some practices, some principles that we can invoke that will help us to deal with the burdens that life presents us with. Paul told the Galatian church that they were to bear one another's burdens. Paul is challenging the church that we are to allow ourselves to be useful in helping our brothers and sisters in the Lord, those that perhaps have fallen prey to the heaviness of life, 
those that are enduring hardships, those that are walking through tough times, those that are downcast, those that are lukewarm, those that maybe even are unfaithful, those that have become discouraged and disillusioned and fallen into despair. The Apostle Paul is saying to get under the load with them and to pray for them, to encourage them, and to help them. Bear ye one another's burdens. And then he goes a little further and says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amen. Now we understand that we don't live under the law of the Old Testament. But let me just tell you that the law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And there are some principles that the Lord instituted. There are some principles that are established in the church. And this is one of them. The strong are to help the weak. Amen. We're all in this together. And while I may have helped you, you can help me in times. While I may strengthen you, you can encourage and strengthen me at other times. And we're all on the same team. And we're never to become in competition or adversarial towards one another. But realize that I'm only as strong as the weakest link in the church. And so I need my brothers and my sisters praying for me. And I must pray for them. Bear you one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Oh, it's so important that we understand that. Not fail to grasp this revelation here tonight. It's important uh, that we realize how significant that each of us are to the overall success of the church. None of us are going to make it on our own. None of us are long rangers and are successful by ourselves. But every one of us are here because someone at a strategic time in our lives offered us support, uh, prayed for us, carried a burden for us, uh, did not forget us. Uh, and even when we were knocked down, reached to pick us up again and restore us to strength. And so we must realize uh, we've got to in turn give back. Uh, we've got a responsibility to others uh, to care for them uh, and understand that as much as I've needed help, uh, I need to be help to somebody else. Uh, I need to be a strength to somebody else. If the Lord has blessed you, He's blessed you to be a blessing. If He's strengthened you, He's made you strong so that you can help somebody that feels weak. If He has healed you and restored you, He's placed you in that position because He's got a work that He wants you to do. Sometimes, sometimes, and you, you know, that, that's one of the things about this entire pandemic that comes out in society is we realize that everybody is trying to, uh, to survive. And, and when we get in these type of situations, when we're trying to survive, it brings selfishness out of humanity. It really does. People get concerned about their own survival, their own family, their own their own finances, their own situation. And, you know, if I can just take care of myself, forget about everybody else. Well, I want to tell you that's not the way that the kingdom of God operates. The kingdom of God is strongest when it's together. 
when it's unified. The kingdom of God is strongest when, when we realize that we are linked together in God's kingdom for a purpose. We're strongest when we realize that I need your prayers, Brother Dundai, and you need my prayers. Amen. I need your prayers, sister, and you need me praying for you. We need each other's family. We need one another, amen, to bear up the burden together because if we'll all get under the load and the burden of revival together, it makes this thing a whole lot lighter and we realize that God is able to help us in our infirmities. God will give us grace. He'll give us strength and there's nothing that can keep us down as long as we stay together. Hallelujah. Oh, if you believe that, you ought to clap your hands to the Lord right now. This church was established in unity when 120 in one mind, the Bible said in one accord, were in one place, that upper room, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house. There wasn't anybody left out. I'm going to tell you, we get blessings from God when we get together and it fills all the house. It fills everybody that's connected to the church. Everybody that's a part of the body of Christ. It's one thing for you just to become blessed. It's one thing for you to get a touch from God. But isn't it so much greater when God pours it out upon the whole body, upon the whole church, and works to do great things among the whole assembly? That 120 turned into 3,000. And then a few days later, 5,000. Then it spread to Judea and Samaria. And it's still spreading today. I'm going to tell you, we're most effective when we hang together. We're most effective when we're unified together. This is not a time to turn on one another, to devour one another. This is a time to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Oh, let's give some praise to him right now. Let's worship him. So so many times we can adopt the attitude of Cain who said, Am I my brother's keeper? We cannot afford to become self-centered. That's not only dangerous to everybody around you, that's dangerous to you, sir. That's dangerous to us as an individual. When we have that kind of mindset, when we become me-orientated, self-possessed, we don't shoulder our part of the load. It weakens the whole body. The church needs a strong support system. When Solomon got ready to build the temple, he set aside 70,000 men to be bearers of burdens. You can read about this in Second Chronicles. Chapter 18, and he set threescore and 10,000 of them to be bearers of burdens. Fourscore thousand to be yours in the mountain. In other words, yours of wood. We're going to have to have wood to build this thing. And so I want you to supply the wood. You go out and take your axe and you chop down the trees and you, 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 you do what you, you must to uh, form them into lumber and to uh, construct them into something, a material that can be of help to build the temple. And 3,600 overseers to set the people a work. 
everybody's to be involved. Everybody, we got a system to this thing. We're unified together. We're a well-oiled machine, and we're all working together to do one thing. They had one focus, oh, and that was to build the church. That was to build the temple where God would visit them, and God blessed them in that effort. You find that every time the people were were overcome by an enemy is when they lacked focus, when they were disunified, when they got their mind on other things. But as long as they were involved in the work of God, as long as they were centered and focused on the things that God had purposed for them to do, there was no enemy that came against them that was able to conquer them. I'm going to tell you, the safest place you can be is to be involved in the work of God. Amen. I remember, I remember several years ago meeting a missionary by the name of Brother Danny Aber, and uh, he was quite a soul winner. Even before he went to uh, the country that he went to, I think somewhere in Central America, he he was very active in his local church. I think he's actually from South Texas, and he is he was very active in soul winning. And uh, one of the things that he learned early on uh, to get back at the devil. And to get the devil off of his back is he said when a temptation would come or when he was feeling resisted of the enemy and he knew it was an attack of the devil, he would say, all right, devil, you pick the fight. He said, I'm not going to rest until I witness to five souls. He said, it didn't take very long for the devil to catch on to that deal and leave you alone. He said, I wouldn't stop until I'd witnessed to five souls. He said, after two or three times, he said, I found it a lot easier. And the devil understood that he better not pick a fight with me. I wonder if we could adopt that kind of attitude around here, that I'm going to get involved in the work of God, and the more you pressure me, devil, the more you come against me, the more you resist me, the more you try to get me off track, the more I'm going to plunge myself into the kingdom of God and the work of God, the more I'm going to worship, the more I'm going to pray, the more I'm going to teach a Bible study, the more I'm going to get in the Word myself, the more I'm going to draw close to God because I understand what this is all about. You're trying to separate me from the church. You're trying to get me out of the kingdom of God. You're trying to break my hold on the greatest thing that's ever happened in my life. And I am not going to allow it to happen. I'm going to dig in my heels and make up my mind. I'm staying a part of the church. I'm going to work for God. I'm going to be active in the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. You ought to make up your mind. You bother me, devil. I'm going to go to church this weekend, and I'm going to lift up my voice like I've never lifted up my voice. I'm going to run the aisles. I'm going to dance. I'm going to shout. I'm going to leap for joy. I'm going to sing with all of my heart. I'm going to worship God like a wild man. Why? Because I know that's where my strength cometh from. That's where my help is, is in the church of the living God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. It's, it's in, in being active in the kingdom. It's in being involved in the work of God. That's why Nehemiah, that's why he would never get off of that wall. He understood this is the safest place I could be. I may have calluses on my hands. I may be bone weary and tired. But the safest place I could be is involved in the work of God. 
In Nehemiah's attempt to rebuild those walls in Jerusalem, the people of Judah shouted, The strength of the bearers of burdens is diminished. Therefore, the walls is in ruins. When there were no bearers of burdens, that's when there came a breach in the wall. That's when the enemy was able to come in like a flood. Show me a church that nobody cares about anybody else, and I'll show you a church that has no protection. You show me a church that nobody's praying for anybody else but just theirs and mine and everything is personal and it's just about me and my world. I'll show you a church that's pretty weak and lacks the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But you show me a church where there's people that are looking across the aisle and saying, I miss that person and I'm praying for that person and I have a burden for that individual over there and I care about what happens to them. I'll show you a strong church. I'll show you a church that'll stick around through troubles difficulties and pandemics it's a church amen that is together and unified for the purpose of God it doesn't matter how spiritual we think we are how long we've been around sooner or later we're going to encounter something that we can't handle by ourselves and at some point in life it's going to be a load it's going to be a burden we cannot bear alone Burdens and the baggage of life are heavy, and we cannot afford to have an air of dis, dis being independent. And and uh, I can get along by myself. And I I got this. A macho man attitude is a dangerous thing, spiritually speaking. In John Bunyan's book Pilgrim's Progress, Christian was on his way to the Celestial City, and he had to have help along the way and over and over again you'll see different characters that came in and and gave him the help and the encouragement and direction that he needs and uh, that's why that's why we need brothers and sisters of the Lord I was teaching on this last Thursday night I was teaching about governing elements in a saint of God's life and 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 my last little thing that I, I left was the fact that we know we need the Word of God. That's a governing element. We know we need, we need the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, to, to give guidance to us. And we understand the role of the ministry in our lives. But one thing we don't often think about is the role of other saints of God and how that, that keeps us a lot of times by their encouragement, by their admonishment, by somebody that we can look to and somebody that's a mentor. And that's why... We, we need to be the best example that we can be. Examples of faith, examples of strength, examples of people that know how to be consistent in living for God. Amen. Many times in Paul's writings, he instructs the church to bear one another's burdens. In Romans, he says the strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. In Thessalonians, he said we are to support the weak. Yet, just a little while after he mentions bearing one another's burdens in Galatians, just two verses later, he said, every man shall bear his own burden. And I know you probably looked at that like me in times past and scratched your head and said, what? He just said that we're to bear one another's burdens. And then he said, every man is to bear his own burden. He's, he could contradict himself, but there's no contradiction here. 
He said, you're to do everything you can in your power. That's not negating your responsibility. You're to pick up your own self and be responsible to live for God to the best of your ability. And then the church needs to come alongside and help and strengthen and be a blessing to their brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. I've got to bear everything I can bear. I've got to be strong as I can possibly be. But thank God that he put a support system around me called the church that can help me when I do get weak and when I do get weary. Oh, somebody clap your hands and let's give praise to him right now. There's no room for slackers in the kingdom of God. Everybody's going to do their part. Amen. Deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. I don't want to shirk my burden. I don't want to, I don't want to lay back on my burden and depend on somebody else. You know, sometimes we can get in this attitude, well, I don't have a need of anything. Well, that's not very considerate of somebody across the building that may really have a desperate need. And they need the church to have church, to have the best church the church can have. To put themselves into it. They need people that know how to get a hold and pre- hold of God in pre-service prayer. They need people that know how to rally behind the preaching and, and let faith come alive in the hearts and lives of people and, and be active in the Spirit of God. They need people that are sensitive to the Holy Ghost. They need people that are worshiping. Just because you don't need anything, brother, it doesn't mean that somebody that you love here in the church doesn't have a need. It doesn't mean just because you don't need anything, there's not somebody else that doesn't a need desperately God to bless them and touch them. They may need a renewing of the Holy Ghost. They need you to be involved. They need you to be a worshiper. They need you to release your faith. They need you to support the preaching of the Word of God. That's why regardless of how we feel when we come to the house of God, we've got to push our emotions aside, our feelings aside, and say it's now time to have church. It's now time for me to be a worshiper. It's now time for me to support the preaching of the Word of God. And it doesn't matter if it's me or somebody else that's standing up here. We need to rally around the Word of God because it is the Word of God, because it is anointed, and because it's there to help somebody. Praise God. It's so very important. So very important. God isn't asking you for favors. He's only asking for reasonable service according to Romans chapter 12. That's the reasonable service. That I can live my life as a sacrifice unto God. That's the very least that I can do is to be involved. Every place that I can find to be. I may not have the talent to do some things, but i got the talent to do something in the kingdom of God. God created and purposed me to be able to do something. I can lift him up. I can praise him. It doesn't take much talent to, to put my hands together and clap them under the Lord. It doesn't take much effort to lift up my voice and give praise unto God. It doesn't take much effort. For me to lift up my hands and say, God, I want to give you glory. I mean, after all he's done for me and all that he's blessed me with and how he gave me the church, he blessed me to be a part of the body of Christ. I've got something to be thankful for. Oh, come on, let's give him some praise right now. Let's worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
David. David, I'm, I'm closer to being through than you think. David had the wisdom to know what burdens to bear and what burdens to leave in the hands of others. And I'm going to tell you, there's wisdom and, and there's a revelation that needs to come to us in understanding that there's some burdens that I, I've got to have help with and there's some burdens that I have to bear on my own that nobody can help me with. And if you're going to be victorious in the battle, you're going to have to have a proper balance with the burdens of your life. David, before confronting Goliath, who was the greatest battle that he would encounter heretofore, did three things. First of all, and I, if you can get these three things, you can make it. You can be successful living for God. Bible says, and it's in our text, he left the sheep with the keeper of the sheep. Now, I realize that was his occupation at that time. You understand. And I realize everybody's got an occupation. And it's the will of God that everybody have an occupation. It's the will of God that men should work. Amen? It's the will of God that we be industrious. It's the will of God that we, that's just the way that God planned it, the way God orchestrated it. He left the sheep with the keeper of the sheep. And this represented his daily duties and his career, if you want to say it that way. And he didn't bring that onto the battlefield. And this is where we get in trouble a lot of times. We're sitting in church when it's time to have church, and we only got an hour, hour and a half, two hours at the most to focus on God and get something from the Lord. And we're sitting there thinking about the responsibilities of the next day. We're thinking about the pressures at the office. We're thinking about the pressures on the job. We're thinking about whatever the case may be, how much paper we're going to make or how, much, how many tires we're going to build or or this or that and the other. And if we're not careful, we're letting that dominate our lives to the point that when we come into the house of God, we can't focus on the things that we need to focus on and receive and win the spiritual battles that we need to win when we come to the house of God. I'm going to tell you, right here in this sanctuary, this is where we conquer things. This is where we overcome things. This is where we get victory. This is where we pray through things. This is where many of you receive the Holy Ghost. This is where many of you, amen, you, you got victory in your life over trials that you were facing. This is where you receive strength that you, you needed to receive. And if you're not careful, you'll come in here and the devil distracts you with things that are important, with things that are part of life with things that are in the will of God but they become so much in the forefront when really they should be sidelined for the time that we're in here we need to focus on the most important thing I got to get a hold of God or I'm going to lose my mind I got to get a hold of God or I'm not going to be effective on the job I'm not going to be able to live the life that I need to live out there unless I plug in and get something here so I got to leave the keeper of the sheep. I got to leave the sheep with the keeper of the sheep so that I could go on and fight the Goliaths and take down the giants in my life. I want to preach to you. If your job is everything to you, you need to realize that's not the most important thing. In two seconds in heaven, you're going to realize how little and menial all of that is in comparison with serving God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Great generals train, and, and this is one of the things that, that, that came out to, to me in, in reading about some great generals, is that they, they were asked 
and they were training others. And so they were, they were asked, they said, how is it that you're so successful on the battlefield? And one of them's reply was this, said, you know, the thing I do is I make a list of priorities. Things that are the most important. And then, after I made that list, I cross everything out besides the number one thing on that list. Everything else kind of dissipates, and everything else is unimportant compared to that one thing. That I, that's how I settle what is the most important thing, and that's what I focus on. Because you can't focus on a lot of things. Amen. Paul said, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. If you're going to be successful in life, if you're going to be successful living for God, you can't have all kinds of things that you're reaching for and pursuing in life. You've got to make up your mind. I'm going to hone this down to this being the most important thing. I'm going to master some things in my life. I'm going to master my prayer life. I'm going to master the Word of God. I'm going to get this in my heart. I'm going to settle some issues in my life. I've been struggling with this or that in my life. I'm going to conquer this. I'm going to wrestle this down. I'm not going to let this defeat me from here until until the end. I, I'm going to get control of it right now. That's going to be the priority. Some of you need to set some priorities and make up your mind. I'm making up my mind. I'm going to conquer this anger problem. I'm going to conquer this issue. I'm going to conquer this bad spirit. I'm going to conquer this rebellion. I'm going to conquer this bitterness in my whatever it is. I want to get a hold of it and wrestle it down and choke it out of my life because I want to be victorious. The only thing that mattered to David, sheep was his life. But now he's on the battlefield, and the only thing that matters to him, he can't be thinking about sheep when he's facing a giant. If he's distracted just for a little while, it could mean death to him. And so while I'm here and at this point, at this crucial moment, I've got to be thinking about the most important thing, and that is victory over this giant. And then he left the keeper, or the carriage in the hands of the keeper of the carriage. This does not necessarily mean the wagon or the cart altogether. Rather, it indicates the baggage and the burden that David was carrying into the battle. You cannot carry baggage from the past into your present conflicts and expect to be victorious. You, you, can't, you can't bring past failures and past mistakes, missteps into the present situation and expect to be victorious. Condemnation will beat you up if you allow it to. You don't carry along all the bad. You say, well, I, I've came up against this giant before and been defeated. i come up against this problem before and it took me out. Oh, but now I'm here facing it again. And I and if you're always remembering what happened the last time you met this giant and you're carrying that baggage into this battle, you'll never be victorious. But if you'll leave it in the hands of the Lord and say, God, I'm going out in the strength. I'm going out in the anointing that you have placed upon my life. And I know that you want me to conquer. I know that you want me to be victorious. Hey, come on. It's the will of God that you be a conqueror. It's the will of God that you be victorious. It is the will of God that you overcome. It's not the will of God you keep struggling with that same thing. It's not the will of God you never make it over that hurdle. It's not the will of God you keep battling with those same issues. You can overcome. Somebody say it. I can overcome. 
Amen. Bible said, lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run. Before you start running, get rid of those weights because they're going to wear you down. A lot of times we like to, we don't want to take the time to do all that. We don't want to take the time to deal with that. We don't want to face that issue in our lives. I just want to run. I just want to come to church on Sunday and run. But your running doesn't mean much if you haven't laid aside. You're not going to last long. You're not going to endure if you don't lay aside some weights that are bogging you down in your relationship with God. Why don't you stand with me? The third thing was Saul's armor. Saul said, well, if I'm going to let you go out there, i got to at least. I mean, you look like the poor little weakling shepherd boy that you are he didn't understand it didn't have anything to do with physical strength or prowess it had everything to do with the man's faith in God and God helping him matter of fact David realized that as much as anybody he said I, I, you come against me with swords and spears but I come against you in the name of the Lord I'm not coming in my own strength if I gotta fight this battle on my own, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be vanquished every time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come up short every time. But if I could ever have faith in God and His ability to help me, then I can be victorious every time. And so He gives him His armor and trying to be obedient to the King, He puts it on. And the Bible says that Saul was head and shoulders above every other man in Israel. So he was a very tall and and strong physical man and uh, he puts that armor on and I mean I can just see it you know that old helmet's hanging down over his eyes and he can't even he's just trying to look up there see where he's going and and he takes that sword and he can he, he don't like, it, it shows just how weak he is when he's in that armament that Saul gives him finally he says the Bible said he put it off he said, I can't deal with this. I haven't proven this. But there's one thing that I have proved. I have proved when the lion and the bear came into my flock to take a lamb. I have proved that God will be with me even with the most simplistic weapons. These little old things that doesn't seem like much to you, if God's in it, it's a whole lot better than anything you could supply me with. I'm going to tell you, that's just the way it is. And God has given some old weapons to the church. And the world looks at it and says, you know what? That doesn't look like logically that would work. Pray, pray. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you depend on this? And why don't you depend on that? And why don't you, why don't you look to this for the answer? I'm going to tell you, prayer is still more powerful than anything that I can find elsewhere. I'm going to tell you that worship is still a weapon. It's an old weapon, but it's still a good weapon. And it's a weapon that will bring you out victorious because I read about two young men in the dungeon in darkness that begin to worship God at midnight and the Bible said there was an earthquake in the midst of the prison and the doors flung open and they walked out free men. I'm telling you God still honors somebody then in the face of darkness and doubt that worship God and praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you we may be in a pandemic but we're still praising God because we know this weapon still works works still works come on let's give some praise to him right now let's worship him
So the Bible says that David left all of his burdens in the proper place. That's what I'm encouraging us as a church to do tonight. No wonder he said in Psalms 121 and 5, The Lord is my keeper. He's a keeper of my burdens. He's a keeper of my cares. He's a keeper of my hopes. He's a keeper of my dreams. He's a keeper of my past. He's a keeper of my mistakes. He's a keeper of my shortcomings. He's the keeper of all things that, that I feel inadequate in. He is my keeper. Before David could conquer the giant, uh, he had to become acquainted with the keeper. I want to tell you, we know the keeper. Amen. The Lord is my keeper. He is able to help me. He is able to strengthen me. He is able to bless me. He's able to give me the anointing I need. He's able to give me the strength that I need. He's able to give me the support that I need. Somebody needs to reach out to the keeper right now and know that he's going to take care of you in life struggles. He's going to be there for you no matter what you face, no matter what you may have to go through. If you'll place it in his hands, amen, you can be victorious through the help of the Lord. Come on, let's reach out to the Lord right now as they begin to sing. Let's give praise to him right now as we begin to worship. 